Do you want to say that with me? Thank you, Jesus. 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 Lord, we just thank you so much. It doesn't seem enough just to say thank you, but Lord, that's all we can do. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just take a minute to thank him for all the things that you know you can thank him for. Just take a moment. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord, that we're even here this morning. Thank you that you called each one of us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you provide everything for us. And thank you that you've given us each other. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can come here this morning and we can worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Got a scripture here this morning that's a well-known one, but it's probably well-known for a good reason. This is a good one. And it's in Matthew chapter 6. And might start reading at verse 31. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. So it says, So then, forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your bodies require? Is there anyone in here who's ever worried about anything? Come on now, come on. Yeah, I think we're all in that little um, area at some stage that we've worried about something. But he says, don't worry. Don't worry. Your father already knows the things your bodies require. But here's the key in verse 33. So above all, constantly, that sounds like all the time to me, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. So he's saying constantly, all the time, seek his kingdom. And we know that verse as seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Sometimes we flip it the wrong way, don't we? And we start thinking about all the things that we need and, you know, la, 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 all the practical things. But he's saying the other way, flip it the other way and seek his kingdom first and then those things will just follow. We need to get our priorities right, don't we? We've come here this morning, first thing we've done, and we do every Sunday is we've worshipped him. So we actually, 
in the natural put him first in every service. He comes first. So God's saying to us that, well, that's how it is every day. He's first. He's the first priority. And then all those other things will come into place. So I'll read verse 33 again. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. So there's a promise, isn't it? If we put him first, then all these things that he considers less important, which are less important, um, will be given to you abundantly. He says, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. There was a song, wasn't there? I'm not going to break out into it. But it's one day at a time, sweet Jesus. (laughs) So, yeah, just one day at a time. Who's ever had that thing where you're thinking about the entire, for the course of your life until eternity, you know, worrying about what's going to happen after day, after day, after day, after day. Has anybody ever been like that? One day at a time, he says. One day at a time. (laughs) tomorrow will take care of itself (laughs) now there's some scriptures the same similar to that over in Luke um, chapter 12 so I'll read that as well and starting verse 29 I repeat it don't let worry enter your life live above the anxious cares about your personal needs that's a good space to be above all the cares, because that's his perspective, isn't it, above. People everywhere seem to worry about making a living, but your heavenly Father knows your every need and will take care of you. Wow, that's something to be thankful for. Each and every day, he will supply your needs as you seek his kingdom passionately above all else. There it is again. But not just seek his kingdom, seek it passionately above all else so don't ever be afraid dearest friends your loving father joyously gives you his kingdom realm with all of its promises all of its promises thank you jesus thank you 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 so anyone here this morning's worried about anything he's saying here don't worry if anyone's afraid don't be afraid Because God's got it in hand. He's got everything in hand. He's got everything in hand. Okay. He supplied everything that we need. And the small thing that we can do is give some of that back to him. Just return some of that back to him. Lord, we just thank you so much. We thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all that you've given us. Mm. And Lord, this morning as we think about what we're thankful for, we thank you for the promises from your word. We thank you that you will supply all of our need as we put you first in our lives, Lord. We thank you. We thank you that we don't need to worry. We thank you that we don't need to be afraid. Lord, we just thank you for all that you are to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
God. Each and every day, he will supply your every need as you seek his kingdom passionately. Above all else. Now we know that's truth. That's God's word. And Coral was saying about getting our priorities right. Sometimes our priorities get out of whack. They're just not lined up properly. I mentioned the other day about how worship helps us to align our priorities. How worship is a form of soul alignment. Just getting things lined up. And there's many, many different expressions of worship. I, I love the, the corporate worship where we gather together to work. I love that. I am passionate about that. But we can't always be in the church with other people to worship. But we can worship him every day. We can still be passionate about our worship every day. And I've said to you before, that's why I go walking every morning. I just get my priorities right for the day. It helps to align things. And so most of the time when I'm walking, it's just, it's worship. It's praying, it's thanking him. It's, it's just a form of presenting myself and saying, Lord, I love you. I love everything you've done for me. I love the future that you've got. God's got a really, really good future for every one of us. And sometimes the enemy has distracted us from keeping our eyes on what God is doing, what God is saying. And he's given us many, many promises in his word. to anchor our hope to. And sometimes we're going to remind ourselves about the promises. That's what I do when I'm, I'm walking and worshipping. I'm, I'm saying, Lord, you remember what you said? And I thank you for that promise, Lord. And I believe you're going to fulfill that promise. God has a plan for the church. We are... coming into the time when we're going to see a greater expression and experience a greater tangible presence of the glory of God. I'll read a couple of verses for you out of Ephesians chapter 2, show you what's coming. Ephesians 2, 
Ephesians chapter 2. I'm reading out the Passion. I want to start at verse 20. It says, you are rising like the perfectly fitted stones. Paul talks about the lively stones or the living stones. And Peter also spoke about the the living stones. And God is building a temple, a dwelling place out of people. And it refers to them as living stones. Here it says, you are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple. And your lives are being built up together upon the ideal function. Excuse me. The ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And we're going to be teaching about that a little more very soon. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. The entire building is under construction. You're a work in progress. Scripture says you're his workmanship. You're his building. It's the anointed one that you're connected to, Jesus himself. This entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision. Are we under his supervision? Are we submitted to his supervision? Are we presenting ourselves every day and say, Lord, here I am. Chip away those bits that are not of you. Make this stone right so it fits perfectly in its place. We're growing under his supervision until it rises up complete as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies. His dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. Under his supervision of the Holy Spirit living in you, he's forming the holy of holies or the holy place in us that he is going to dwell in, in its fullness, in a corporate gathering we are going to see the presence of God, the glory of God in a way we may have dreamed about 
but we have not yet seen. But notice it has to be on the foundation, the right foundation. Now this building that is, that is creating, the Holy of Holies, it's the most glorious expression of the dwelling place of God. In the tabernacle, we know there was the outer court, then there was the holy place, and then there was the holy of holies, or the most holy place. The outer court speaking about salvation that we have in him, many Christians are happy to stay there, just being saved. But then there's a progression, there's a holy place. We come into a greater expression of our understanding and our worship of God, but there's something even greater. It's where God himself chose to dwell in the most holy place, his dwelling place. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we are submitted, surrendered, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. We cannot produce it, but we can present ourselves. That's what's required. That's the level that God expects of each one of us to present ourselves to him in an expression of adoration, of thanks, of worship. See, worship is adoration, just adoring him. And when we come into the house of God and we just surrender everything, say, Lord, I worship you. I surrender everything to you. That's when we start to line things up and we start to realize our priorities need to be adjusted a little because there's nothing like the presence of God. God wants to bring the church into a greater expression of understanding the tangible presence of God. I believe in the different expressions of worship the presence of God begins to move upon us where we're at to cause us to understand he wants to move us on more. To have an expression of, Lord, I, I love you. I want to worship you. I want my life to be an expression of worship under you. Why is that? I'll read another little verse in Ephesians, just a couple of pages over. 
It says in chapter 5, and at the end of verse 4, after being talking about how we should be behaving ourselves, it says, let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words. See, if worship is the expression of our heart to him, it's going to affect our words. It's going to affect everything about us. It's going to affect the way we speak. It's going to affect the way we act. It's going to affect everything that we are when we recognize what he has done for us and what he requires of us is to present ourselves each day and say, Lord, I love you. I'm hungry for more. I'm hungry for more of you, Lord. I want more of you in my heart. I want the greater expression of your son to be revealed in and through me. Lord, I've got your Holy Spirit. I've got the Spirit of Christ dwelling in me. And I know that he wants to lead me on into more of you, into the greater depths, the greater understanding of your ways. Lord, show me your ways. Every day I'm praying, Lord, show me your ways. Lord, I want to know your ways. I want to walk in your ways. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to know what's coming. I want to know the future. I want to have an experiential revelation of walking in the promises of God, to know him. That's what Paul prayed. After all the revelation, after all the things he wrote, he said, that I might know him. Oh, that I might know you, Lord. There's so much to know. Lord, I want to know you more. I want my heart to be so filled and flooded and overflowing with you that you're so pleased to dwell in the house. Lord, I want to be that holiness before you. But we can't produce it. It's, Lord, I present myself to you. I love you, Jesus. And you've given everything so that I could have a taste of your goodness. Taste and see. That's an experience, isn't it? God wants us to experience the word of God in a way that we've tasted something, but we get hungry for more. Hungry for more. The church has to get hungry. We must understand that our hunger is the attraction for more of the presence of God. How much do we hunger and thirst after righteousness? Lord, you are my righteousness. I thank you, Father, that you've made me righteous before you through the blood of Jesus. But Lord, I'm hungry for more. I want so much more of God in my life. I am not satisfied. I am thankful, but I am not satisfied. I am so hungry for more of God. I want the fire burning in my heart and I'm going to add the fuel. I'm going to present myself and say, Lord, whatever you want from me, I surrender it right now. I give you my heart. I give you everything I am, Lord. I will sacrifice everything that I know to do to walk in your presence, to have more of you. I just want more of you. I pray every day, Holy Spirit, that the lens of your spirit would be infused upon my eyes so I can see from heaven's perspective. If we can just see a glimpse of what the Father has in store for each one of us, 
we would learn what it is to be a hungry child that just comes before the Lord. Lord, I'm so hungry for more of you. I want your presence more today. Lord, I want more of you. I want you to enlarge the capacity of my heart to receive more so I can walk in the fullness of what you have for me. Lord, I know you're no respecter of persons. If you can do it for him, you can do it for me. Lord, if you can do it for her, you can do it for me. Lord, if you can do it for anybody, if I can read about it in the Bible, then I know it's available and I can have it too. Do you know what the Father has in store? He has so much in store. He loves you so much. And the enemy's trying to pull a smokescreen to cause people to get blurry in their vision and they don't see. They become dull in their senses spiritually and they forget that God has got a plan and a purpose and I've got my Holy Spirit resident in you. Will you allow him to have his way? And if you will, if you just say, Lord, I want you more today. I want more of you. I need you, Lord. I can't live without you I have to have more of you that that passion is what's being revealed and shared abroad in our heart God is going to come and he's going to meet you in a way that you've never experienced before this year I'm telling you we're going to experience more of God and the hungrier we get the more we're going to experience and there's never more than we can handle Because God will help us in our walk with him, even if the enemy gets stirred up because we're getting so passionate for God. But God says the greater one lives in you and there's nothing out there that's greater than what I can do for you. Obviously, we're not going with the notes this morning. God is, is speaking this morning about aligning our priorities. <clears throat> I'll read something to you out of, um, out of Romans chapter 8. I'll read it from the King James Version. It's talking about Christians here in chapter 8, what God has done for us. And there's no condemnation. God loves us. The blood of Jesus has washed us clean. We're walking before God. We're loving God. But then it talks about the flesh and the spirit. This thing that's going on between the flesh and the spirit constantly. Our spirit's been totally revived, renewed, born again by the power of God. The Holy Spirit comes to live in our spirit. But there is another area to our innermost being, to our heart, and it's the soul. It's the mind, the will, and the emotions. What are we going to be led by? The spirit of God where the Holy Spirit resides, or are we going to be led by the soul realm? 
This is why the Bible speaks in chapter 12, same book, about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. What did I read to you earlier? We're being transformed. God is transforming each one of us so that we become the holy of holies, his dwelling place. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind has to be renewed to the word of God because this is the truth. Your mind might have some facts and it might have a lot of information, but the word of God is the truth. And we have to have our mind in line with the truth. So we've got this, this thing going on where we've got the, <clears throat> the soul that's still wanting to have control. And the soul says, well, I just don't feel like going to church. The soul says, well, I just don't feel like praying God. The soul says, Lord, I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like I want to do what I want to do. See, before you became his, the soul was just ruling and reigning. And the soul still wants to have it say. Sure, the soul wants to be saved and going to heaven, but the soul still wants to have a control application in our life and sometimes we just we fail to prioritize the alignment that needs to happen in the soul realm and we flesh out <laughs> that doesn't mean we're really really it just means we're not lined up again we've hit a bump in the road somewhere and it's affected our alignment that's why we've got to get back into worship to get that soul aligned again. So we get into church, Lord, I love you with all my heart. Lord, I want everything you've got in store. Monday comes and it doesn't work out the way we thought. The soul starts complaining. The soul starts, why, Lord, I don't understand this and I don't understand that. Well, it's all connected to the cry of your heart for more of him. And when the enemy hears you crying out for more of God, he says, well, I don't want that happening. I don't want more Christians like Paul running around the place. They'll upset everything. We can't have anyone else that had enough trouble with one Paul. Imagine if we had a whole lot of little Jesus people. Really dedicated and dwelling in the holy of holies. What would happen to this world? Oh, yes, you watch, it's going to happen. Because God is going to have his word working in and through the people who recognize he is Lord in their life. Not just Savior, he is Lord. That means I'm completely submitted and yielded to him. So this verse I was going to read in uh, <clears throat> Romans. Verse 9, I'm just making it short. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, okay, you're not in the flesh, you're in the Spirit if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Then it says, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. Having and dwelling are two separate words. And they're two separate experiences. When we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit. But there's a difference 
to having the Holy Spirit to the Holy Spirit having you. And when the Holy Spirit has you, spirit, soul, and body, you become the dwelling place of the Most High. The dwelling place. So we're dwelling. So it says, if, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, that means our soul has to have become surrendered for him to come and dwell in us, spirit, soul, and body. Lord, I'm so, and this is a very conscious decision that we make. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my strength. I give you everything I am. I surrender everything to you. I do not want my flesh dominating my Christian walk. There are a lot of fleshly Christians out there on their way to heaven but have no experience of heaven on earth. I want with all my heart to experience heaven here upon the earth. That is God's plan. That is God's design for us to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Every part of my being yielded to him where I say, Lord, I want you to consume everything. I want the... I want the... (laughs) I want the fire of God to burn everything out of me that's not of you. And sometimes we pick up a little bit of brushwood along the way, don't we? Just walking through life, we get a few bits of sticks and stones and they say they don't hurt you, but they still have an effect in your life. And so we've got to submit it to him. Lord, I recognize that I wasn't walking in the spirit the other day when that happened. Lord, help me, show me. I want to be submitted to you and surrendered enough to recognize every time you speak to me, Holy Spirit, that I respond with, yes, Lord. Do you know how much better everything in your life will be when the Holy Spirit is working with it with you? Just so conscious of him. Are you aware of what you're you're doing? And and consciously talking with Jesus while you're working, while you're doing other stuff. I, I just, I've made it a daily have Lord, I just love you so much. While I'm working in the garden, Lord, I love you so much. Whatever I'm doing, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in the church. Lord, I want to know what you want me to say to your people so that your church begins to understand your heart, your desire, your purpose, your plan, and that we begin to have a heart that's so united, one in you, that we're working and walking and flowing together, all hungry for the presence of God, longing for more of Jesus in the house. Because the scripture says, everything in the house comes from him and it's all we need. 
We don't need a lot of other add-ons. We just need the presence of Jesus. More of the presence of God. More of the glory of God. Are we hungry? Is this the year that we're going to get so hungry for God, we're going to see a manifestation of the glory of God in the house? Could it be? Could it be that this year we're going to see a move of God like something we have never experienced, something that we're longing for? Well, I, I, can, I can imagine what it's going to be like when the fire of God begins to touch the hearts of hungry people and gets rid of all the stuff that's not of him. So we're just a vessel that's just, Lord, I want more of you. I want everything that's not of you out so I become the dwelling place of your presence so I can walk in the Spirit every day. So that every person I come into contact with, I've got something of God to share with them. And it may be in such a practical way because that's what people need. They need the practical Jesus, the real Jesus. And you may be the only one of Jesus they ever see. I wanted to share a bit this morning, I'm not going to now, but I wanted to share about how this develops through worship. How the expression that comes out of us, I read that verse, that our words are an expression. Because we've become a dwelling place for the presence of God. Holy Spirit, you've come to dwell in each one of us. The greater one dwelling in us. Holy Spirit, we don't want to limit you. We understand that you're working your work in each one of us, building us according to the design of the Father, that his will be done in each one of us, that every part, every member of this body will be a fully functioning member in its place in the body so that every need will be met in the house of God as every member flows in worship and begins to understand that my life is an expression of the presence of God. And God gets the glory through everything that we put our hands to. Lord, help us. Help us to have such a holy reverence for you that every day we'll commit ourselves and present ourselves. Say, Lord, have your way. I want more of you. I'm so hungry for more of your presence. 
I want the eyes of my understanding enlightened that I begin to see the realms of glory where the presence of God is so awesome. Lord, that I could be a person living and walking in the Spirit every day, just like Jesus. Thank you, Father. That's your plan. And we submit ourselves. Oh, Lord, have your way. Help us, Lord, to be so conscious of your presence and to be so hungry for more. Hallelujah. Glory to God. As usual, I forgot to make an announcement. Whenever I have an announcement to make, I forget it. I am not anointed for announcements. But this is important. Next week, we have a visiting preacher, a really nice guy. His name is Raf Solomon. He's from Numa Church. He is the apostolic pillar of the church. That church is operating in the five-fold ministry. That's something that we're going to be sharing about more. I'll be teaching about it more because there's a, there's a fellowship developing now between the Numa Church and us because we see that there's a passion there for worship and there's a passion there for the moving of the Spirit of God, and there's a passion there for the fivefold ministry to be operating, and that's where we want to be. So there's a flow starting to flow. So Raf will be here next Sunday. Please, please make an effort to be here next Sunday. Remind others who are not here this morning, a lot away this morning, a lot holiday time, so I'd really like the place to be full next Sunday when Raph's here. But he'll be sharing some truths from his heart. He understands that we want to be moving in the dimensions of the Spirit of God where there's more. And so please remember and remind people, if you see them during the week, visiting speaker next Sunday morning. Thank you. We're going to have communion, um, so if you, I think I think our little people were very good this morning and got round with um, the communion cups. Glory to God! You know, when we look at at God's God's plan, He had it all worked out before He did anything. Because if we understand that um, God sees the end from the beginning, he's not limited by 
time or space or, or, or any of the things that he created. So he knew the end from the beginning. He knew what was going to happen because he saw it. <laughs> and, and sometimes that, that just, you know, in our natural thinking, we don't understand that. You know, we think, well, if, if you knew what was going to happen, why did you go that way? <laughs> but God is producing something. Just speaking about it this morning. God is producing. He's going to produce a body that can never fall. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was asked that question one day, you know, what happens if we get to heaven and, and, and you know, somebody has a bad thought and, and you know, no. <laughs> All that is, is going to be dealt with. He is producing a body that has given themselves to him that he has been able to do all his will within to perfection. God knew the beginning. God knew the end from the beginning. And sometimes we hear, you know, the, these messages and, and we think, yeah, well, that's all right for you, but, you know, we, we put this but in. That's all right for you, but you don't know about me you don't know you know all the rest of it and in our humanity we have those challenges but you know God decided okay the only way I'm going to be able to do this is that if I come down there <laughs> as a human being and experience all those challenges and yet get the job done and this is what he did. He gave himself for us. Now, I just want to read one verse out of Luke chapter 22. And uh, when I focus, uh, it's verse. Well, it's um, at verse 42. But when Jesus um, uh, left the upper room that they, they were in, and it was just before they, um, they came to arrest Jesus, he, he went to the garden, with, the garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. <laughs> and uh, he asked his disciples to keep praying. And he, kept, uh, he took Peter, James and John with him. And verse 41 says, Then he withdrew from them a short distance to be alone. Kneeling down, he prayed, Father, if you, <clears throat> Father, if you are willing, take this cup of agony away from me. <laughs> In his humanity, Father, if there's any other way we can do this. Because <laughs> he knew all that was happening and all that was going to happen. But at the end of that verse, he says, But no matter what, your will, 
must be mine. Your will must be mine. Do you know we can position our hearts before God and say, Lord, your will must be mine. It's not about us, <laughs> it's about his will. And God accomplished his will through the sacrifice of Jesus so that we could come into the relationship and not only come into the relationship, but that he could work within us to produce what he said he would have. And you hear it so often in this place. A church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. <laughs> a bride prepared for the bridegroom. And Jesus is coming back for a people who have given over to him and said, not my will, but yours be done. And if that's the attitude of our heart, God does the rest. <laughs> he does the rest. So I'd like to stand, please. This is a spiritual meal. It's one that he provided for us. And, and Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remember what I've done. Remember that the way is open. Remember that I have made that way for you. And if you embrace it, I'll perfect all that is required in you. Hallelujah. So his body was broken so that ours would not. <laughs> well, ours could be healed. So there's so much power in this. And, you know, it's an unfolding revelation. But, you know, we're going to come into this point where, where, where we get it. We get it in our spirit and it'll manifest in our body. So let's partake. Let's eat together. And this is the life of God. Jesus poured out his blood so that all that the enemy had designed for humanity <laughs> was destroyed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's drink together. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated.